Step into excellence at nothing but greatness studios powered by G Media Solutions. Elevate your podcast with professional recording, editing, and production services. Our expert team and top-notch facilities guarantee a flawless audio experience. Transform your ideas into captivating episodes at nothing but greatness studios powered by G Media Solutions, where podcasting meets perfection. Contact us on Instagram at nbg.g.media. Come to my chair, you catch a bait or get a taste. This shit gonna hurt tomorrow. Mm-mm. But it tastes good today. It's gonna hurt right now. I'm at the bar mixing up drinks and conversation. Yeah, no, I'm just a part-time dirtbag. Don't do that. You're a superstar. Yeah, we the ones you talk to and we your favorite. I'm a barber. You know what I'm saying? Niggas, got their, niggas put a goddamn perm in the hair, I know. You know what I'm saying? Just said I said hero. You gonna look, hold look, look, the perm? First of all, niggas that have nappy hair, put permanent hair, have baby hair. It's the barber and the bartender, the best podcast in the nation. Man, I have more hair for us. What's up, family? It's your favorite host, Maria Jordan. It's your boy, Kyrus Jordan. And we are excited to launch We Need to Talk. Yes. yes. So let me ask you a question, buddy. Do you think that it's important to have communication with your spouse, partner, boyfriend, girlfriend? Do you think that's an important thing? It's a necessity. Um, If you're not going to communicate, Things are going to get misconstrued, which is too different for you to have your it all in your head and only your perspective. You come up with some that, you know, you have to communicate your feelings. It's going to bottle up. It becomes something else when you don't. You heard it first, so tune in every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. We need to talk with Karis Jordan and that's my wife. Yeah. Peace. I don't know what you're doing, whether you sitting there watching TV or you're in your car just driving home. Whatever you're doing, you need to be listening to Exit 14B Podcast with your host, Kavis Jordan. And Justice 7G. Our podcast is about enlightened and educational, highly opinionated, and very passionate with a whole bunch of true stories. True stories. Exactly. You can follow us at Exit 14B Podcast on IG, TikTok, Facebook, Facebook, and YouTube. Stay tuned for more updates. Yeah. By the time you hear this podcast, Stevie Wonder might call you back. It's Christmas time. There's no need to be afraid. At Christmas time, we let in light.
by the time you hear this podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. And we are back with episode 211. 211 in progress. Um, that is a robbery. 211, is that a... Okay, I was I like, I believe that's that? a robbery. Okay. Oh, that's scary. <laughs> um, thank you for everyone who's downloaded and listened so far. Uh, not such a long, as long a break this time. Uh, but we are back with a new episode. And uh, let's get into it, man. Um, well... We had the Grammys. <laughs> <laughs> a lot happened at the Grammys. Um, I did not watch the Grammys. I was at work. Um, but uh, there were some some performances that were lauded, that were celebrated, uh, especially Tracy Chapman doing her first uh, live performance in nine years. Um, incredible a duet incredible. a fast car with Luke Combs yeah. um, I heard good things about Miley Cyrus's performance um, oh I didn't know she performed I might look into that I like Miley I heard Fantasia's Tina Turner tribute was pretty good okay um, those are the ones that I know of for sure um, and as far as the awards so we uh, according to the Academy <laughs> Taylor Swift is the greatest album maker in the history of recorded pop music. You know what's very funny? Has she even ever sniffed a song of the year? <laughs> Grammy? Does she have any song of the year Grammys? Um, let's look. I feel like she won one like record of the year, maybe once or twice. Uh, accolades and achievements, awards. Uh, I, I don't see any. I see White Horse under country song. Okay, but, um, so she was. Um, okay, she was nominated for You Belong With Me, did not win. Nominated for Record of the Year for We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together. Nominated for Shake It Off, did not win. Nominated for Blank Space, so, did not win. Nominated I see an article here from Forbes that says she's the most nominated ever for Song of the Year. And I'm guessing that means she never won. <laughs> yeah, she was nominated for Lover. She was nominated for Cardigan. She was nominated for uh, All Too Well, the 10-minute version. Um, and did not... Did not win. She was also nominated for Blank Space, uh, Shake It Off, uh, and Record of the Year for We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together, Song of the Year for You Belong With Me, and Record of the Year. And that's it. What's interesting enough is when she won her album of the year for Fearless, she was only nominated for one other category for Best Country Album. So she got two mm. nominations and one of them's album of the year. <laughs> That's so strange. <laughs> That's just so weird. Yeah. So um, she wins album of the year for the fourth time previously for Fearless, um, 1989, and Folklore. 
And so she is the first to win for Midnight. <laughs> she wins Album of the Year. And she, well, okay. She got, uh, she won Album of the Year and Best Pop Vocal Album. And one, two, three, and had four other nominees. She was also nominated for Song of the Year and Record of the Year for Antihero. But yeah, they weren't good. And did not win. So, so yeah, yeah, she was already the most winningest female artist for that category with the three. And now she has surpassed the likes of Stevie I know Stevie Wonder. Wonder. There was one other person I thought that was mentioned. I don't um, know why I think it's Paul Simon, but I could be wrong. Let's go back and look. Cause I I I um I thought I just saw it. Okay, uh Frank Sinatra and Paul Frank, Simon okay. And Stevie Wonder have three. Yeah. Um, and I know she's the first with... woman to get three. Yeah, first to get three. Um, Adele was the first to be nominated three times. Mm. Uh, it looks like Frank Sinatra may have the most nominations for Album of the Year with eight. Wow. Paul Simon has seven. <clears throat> and Stevie Wonder went three for three. Yeah, of course, because he's Stevie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess technically so far she's going four for four, but I'll be careful because I know there's probably some Stevie fans who are a little sensitive about that right now. But yeah. also, um, Taylor Swift joins. Um, well, Billy Joel and Kendrick Lamar are the only ones to be nominated for four consecutive albums. Ooh. The Beatles, Stevie Wonder, Steely Dan, Bonnie Raitt, Dixie Chicks, Kanye, Lady Gaga, Adele, Beyonce, and Taylor Swift have received it for three consecutive albums. Okay. Some uh, good company to yeah. be in. Some good company to be in. So, um... I know a lot of people weren't happy when she won. Um, no. Fans and it looked like some of her peers, <laughs> as they showed the audience, a lot of people they were a little unhappy that she won. So, I mean, I don't know what to say. So, um, we'll look at the. Uh... <sighs> Excuse me. All right. <laughs> so, um, let's look at the. Categories. All right. Record of the year went to Flowers for Miley Cyrus. Now, the record of the year that goes to the artist and producers, engineer, mixers, and the mastering engineer. So that went to Miley Cyrus for Alma of the Year, Midnights by Taylor Swift. Hold on a second. I decided to mute that one. Uh, song of the year, What Was I Made For by Billie Eilish. Um, wins that with her brother Phineas. Um, so it's probably going to win the Oscar for best original song. And best new artist went to Victoria Monet, even though that was like her third or fourth album. <laughs> well, what is it? The first of significance, you it, know? Yeah, where she's in the uh, the public. public yeah. What was it? The public perception? No. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Ask Shelby Lynn. She could tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, the producer of the year non-classical went to Jack Antonoff. Uh, for produced, he produced with uh, the 1975 Lana Del Rey and Midnight's for Taylor Swift. Songwriter of the Year, which is a new category, went to Theron Thomas, who co-wrote All My Life by Lil Durk and J. Cole, uh, How We Roll by Sierra and Chris Brown, and Seven by Jungkook and Lotto. Um, so those were the big the big uh, four and the producer and songwriter of the year um, uh, winners. Um, you look at some other albums here. Uh, best pop vocal album went to Taylor Swift. Uh, best rock album went to This Is Why by Paramore. And best rock song, Not Strong Enough by Boy Genius. And Curious best rock what performance. Paramore fans think about because I know a lot of Paramore fans who aren't really big fans of the direction they've been going in. So uh, just curious, just curious. Uh, best R&B album went to Jaguar 2 by Victoria Monet. Best rap album went to um, Killer Mike for Michael. And best rap song, Scientists and Engineers by Killer Mike featuring Andre 3000, Future, and Aaron Allen Kane. Uh, they added another new category, Best Spoken Word Poetry Album. Hmm. And that went to The Light Inside by Jay Ivey. Uh, also nominated was uh, Kevin Powell, who y'all may know as being like, a, he's a writer, but he I think he was on the first season of The Real World. So what Never was interesting, uh, he the very first season, like 1991, uh, oh, wow. Or something like that. The very first season of the real world. But when he, but with like, when I watched behind the music, he was on a lot of those episodes for some reason. <laughs> they talked to Kevin mm. Powell. Um, best country album went to Bell Bottom Country by Lainey Wilson. Best country song, White Horse by Chris Stapleton, written with Dan Wilson from Semisonic. Um, Yeah, uh, best. I know Kirk Franklin won one for best gospel performance hmm. for all things. Um, they, uh, uh, Tyla for one best African music performance for, um, for water, and that was the first, that was another new category. <laughs> They, so oh, best African. So, yeah, so they're they're recognizing Afrobeats is a is a real thing. This is interesting. Um, best comedy album went to "What's in a Name" by Dave Chappelle. Uh, best compilation soundtrack for visual media was Barbie the album. Best song written for visual media, "What Was I Made For" from Barbie. Like I, I think they're this they got the Oscar yeah. wrapped up. Yeah, I think they got it wrapped up. Even though uh, Barbie World, the Nicki Minaj Ice Spice featuring Aqua Barbie World, was nominated. Um, best music video: "I'm Only Sleeping" by the Beatles. Best music film: "Moon Age Daydream," which is about David Bowie. Um. Any other categories that might interest you? Um, 
only because I like the song I See You. Um, best R&B performance, I See You by Coco Jones. Yeah, she was also nominated for Best New Artist. It went to yeah. uh, Victoria Monet. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's and, probably... Uh, SOS by SZA, which was nominated for Album of the Year, won Best Progressive R&B Album. So is this basically means. just like deep R&B? Like... <laughs> I thought it was like the alternative R and B. Okay, yeah, that's. I guess that's like, more than what I'm going for. It's not exactly. It's not R and B. Like it's not Motown. Yeah, it's got it's got but some. There's also traditional. There's it. traditional, progressive, and then just regular R and B. I don't. I y'all gonna have to define that. Uh, that that doesn't sound clear. But well, I mean, uh, I don't yeah. know because I I think of progressive. Like you look at someone like a SZA and like like SZA, Janelle Monae are two of the artists nominated in this category. They're not people that I would call like they they're kind of making their own this different path in R&B. That's not like what you would traditionally hear. So that's what I think of. Like SZA's got so many different influences aside from just hip hop and R&B and whatnot in her music. Um which is why so many people felt that she got robbed for album of the year mm. um, from Taylor Swift. And I'm inclined to agree, um, even though I have not really given both of these albums a thorough listen. But like, I do agree, even with a lot of Swifties who said, like, this is probably one of her weaker albums. <laughs> like, if you're going to if you're going to give it to a Taylor Swift album, if you're going to make that fourth album a winner, it's, it's got to be evermore. <laughs> like yeah. Midnight's was just. You know, Midnight's was just kind of, eh. it's not the one that you thought that would win. So, you know, but I think they just really wanted to make history. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. And then the next week she wins the Super Bowl. Yeah, man. Uh, she caught the winning touchdown, didn't she? <laughs> In overtime. <laughs> I don't know how she got open out there on the flat, but, you know. <laughs> they ran a pick play. <clears throat> Ah, that's why. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was pretty much what it was. All right. So, yeah, that's it with the with the Grammys. Um, look at a couple of other news stories here. So, I was trying to catch up here about um, Universal Music Group removed their songs off of TikTok. That was hilarious. And people don't know how to act. <laughs> um. Yeah, so with this, they have a new agreement with TikTok. Uh, users will be more empowered than ever to express themselves through music, soundtrack their video creations with songs by which they are passionate and build communities around artists and musicians or cultures. The companies have additionally pledged to experiment with exciting new features. TikTok users will now be able to incorporate clips from UMG's full catalog of music spanning the company's iconic labels, songwriters, and global territories. I am sorry. That is from three years ago. So (laughs) (laughs) what does that mean now? This is from NPR. uh, Removing their, they've removed their uh, artist, including Taylor Swift, BTS, Drake, Olivia Rodrigo. And uh, they also, they have muted videos containing music uh, licensed by Universal. And uh, TikTok wasn't compensating the artists fairly. Um, 
and allow the platform to be flooded with AI generated recordings, as well as developing tools to enable, promote and encourage AI music creation on the platform itself. That is directly from UMG. Uh, they also point out uh, TikTok's colossal success has been built in large part on the music created. In turn, emerging artists have used the platform to launch their careers. At least one UMG artist isn't happy his songs have been removed. Noah Kahan, uh, Grammy oh, nominee. I'll him. <laughs> he says, I won't be able to promote my music on TikTok anymore, but luckily I'm not a TikTok artist, right? And uh, he's signed to Republic Records, which is a subsidiary of UMG, but credits TikTok mm -hmm. for his success. Uh, he's nominated for Best New Artist this year. Um, so as of right now, TikTok and UMG are working to hammer out a new, um, a new contract. <clears throat> and UMG is kind of taking the nuclear option of removing all their music and trying to prove that TikTok couldn't exist if it didn't have their catalog. <laughs> so you, man, it's, it's chicken or the egg. And I think a lot of Gen Zers as well as um, and some millennials are about to find out just how big the music industry is and how little TikTok is. Because I think a lot of people think that like, oh, music can't exist today without TikTok. And it's just like, they're just sorely mistaken. Like I even follow this one woman on there who manages artists and she even straight up said it like radio and streaming are still king. <laughs> like that's where her artists still see the most amount of money from. Like TikTok yeah. helps with virality. I know we've talked about it before how you'll have an artist that'll break on TikTok, but like the fan base isn't real. Like they come to the show and they know one part of the song and they only know that song. And yeah. that's it. And you can fall, you can blow up and fall off so quick if you depend on TikTok. So it's like, like, yeah, TikTok is cool, but like TikTok is not the end all be all. And I think, you know, some of these younger people are about to find out because they're not used to it. Like they've only grown up in a world of streaming and things like that. You're about to, they're about to find out just how much pull and money and stuff that, um, that, Universal Music Group has. You're, they're about to find out because I'm pretty sure someone's like, well, Taylor can just fight it. Taylor can't fight UMG. <laughs> Not by herself. <laughs> and if if Taylor is one of those that isn't getting paid fairly. Oh, we know she'll fight for that. <laughs> she, she'll fight for that. Oh, yeah. She can she fight for her to be Super on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, she won't even play the Super Bowl because they won't pay you. So, um. It was, I had two of my two of my videos muted. One of our video of our trip to Vegas, <laughs> I mm. used uh, "Desert Rose" by Sting, that got muted. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what else. Let me see. There was another one I, I used that also got muted, and I was like, "Dang, they they serious, man." It was like the very oh Zendaya, I had a Zendaya video, and it got muted. So, I mean, it doesn't really affect me. I don't post that much, but I just I just think it's funny, like. You know, TikTok's going to have to blink first because they need the music more than the music needs them. Yeah, because it was kind of like with what it was with with Vine. With Vine, mm. so many people went viral using music and they used, you know, that one, that six second part of the song. Mm -hmm. That and that was the punchline. 
like they needed the music to be the punchline for this six second video. And it's that mm. case here with TikTok. They need that one lyric, which isn't mm. the whole song isn't related to their joke. It's just the one lyric is related to their joke. Yeah. And I'm losing using that in the loosest sense yeah. of the word. <laughs> um, you know, and people, but people went viral off of that. But yeah. You're going to have to be a little more creative if you're doing, especially if you're doing the comedic, um, the comedic videos. And if you're doing the, you know, the, this is my vacation, you, you're going to have to actually like listen to these, these, these instrumentals and find the beat that uh, <laughs> best fits yeah. the mood, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it would ask uh, those kind of creators to be a little more creative, or well, no, not a little more creative. Be creative. Actually, be creative. You actually have to do yeah. that now. Yeah. Um. But it, it's. I understand where UMG is coming from, where they feel like. Uh, all these videos are coming about that are using music from our artists. Yeah. And not there they may say we want the artist to be paid, paid fairly uh but we want to be paid fairly. So That's what yeah. <laughs> That's the bigger <laughs> hint, part. Hint, hint, hint I also that. think what's really probably got them upset because let's be real as soon as what was it Ghostwriter came out with that song the Drake and the Weekend AI song. Yeah. Like they didn't know what to do. And Drake is a UMG artist. Yeah. They weren't happy about that. They probably wished that TikTok would have taken swifter action. So I don't think it's a coincidence that AI is named in their reasons. Like they were probably pissed. They probably were like, regardless, they were like, yeah, if they don't stop this AI crap, we're pulling our catalog. (laughs) And so AI, of course, is like more prevalent than ever. People are every day uploading all these ai tunes song sung by spongebob song sung by insert you know character here and they don't like it because it's it's you know maybe they call it perversion i don't know but i i guarantee you they're not happy about it bastardization yeah i guarantee you though they're not happy about it and i don't think it's a coincidence that it was mentioned like they they want that done yeah i i i expect to see something in their new contract about AI and how it can't be used. I, I fully expect that to happen. Yeah, I definitely see that. Um, do if there's a, another story that I had. I'm sorry, I, I didn't even go over what I had with Ben before we even started. Well, I was going to also say, We too, just started. <laughs> I know he was a controversial figure because of 9-11, but um, Toby Keith died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Toby, Toby Keith died. Passed. I know he was controversial because of... I know there are some things he did to try to help other country artists, and he's got a weird... You know, he's got a weird thing going, but, you know, still, regardless of what you think of him, especially with his, his beef with the Dixie Chicks, with, I don't think anyone ever will forgive him for that, but still a legend of country music, so, you know, rest in peace. I'm just going to move on from that. I'm just going to move on from that. Um... <laughs> So, uh, we were recording this on a Tuesday after the Super Bowl, and uh, Usher performed at halftime. Did you see it, and what did you think? 
And, oh, well, hold on. Before Atlanta? you answer that, before you answer that, <laughs> is that a Stanley Cup? No, no. This okay. is uh, a gift from my boss. Okay. I think it's a, a Fanley or whatever you call them, a fake Stanley. I don't know, but no, it's not Stanley. Okay. Hey, I'm just wondering. Like, look, if you have to go into a Target and fight. Um, uh, Gen Z to Gen X white <laughs> women for a cup. Uh-uh. Uh, you need to rethink your priorities, Ben. <laughs> I would never fight anyone. I would fight on Amazon. I would. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was. Uh, um, I don't even know if it is. What's this on the bottom? I think she got them custom made. So I don't. I don't think it doesn't say Stanley anywhere on here. But okay, it's one of those. It's it's Stanley adjacent. I don't know. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Super Bowl halftime show, uh, did you watch it and what did you think? I did. Um, I thought it was excellent. Um, I will say though, I don't know if I think my expectations were so high, there's no way it could have met or, or exceeded them. Um, just because huge Usher fan, especially his early work and, um, I don't know. I don't know what I expected. I just expected to be blown away, and it was good, but I wasn't blown away. But I don't think I ever would. I just, I don't think there's a way for me to have been blown away, because I got, I got everything I would have wanted from an Usher performance in the Super Bowl. So I don't know what else I wanted. Like legit, I just, I don't know what else I wanted. But I just know that like, it, it hit all the marks. But you know, just didn't blow me away. I don't know. I thought it was still good. It's very good. I thought it was a good show, um, and uh, I had a, a, a wager <laughs> with my girlfriend about who about what songs he would do, and um, we picked we both picked ten songs, and uh, whoever got the most wins, and she got seven. And okay. she's going to say, I, if you ask her, she's going to say, I got five, but I'm going to say six because my way was played at the very beginning and no, he didn't mm. sing it, but it was played. So it counts. Yeah, that counts. Yeah. Because <laughs> he did a lot of that, like play a few bars and then like use it as a transition. Yeah. So if it got played, it counts to, See, in my opinion. Thank you for being on my side on this. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, cause like my way and you don't have to call were surprises for me because like i know the songs but like is he just gonna play the pop ones like i didn't expect him to go back to my way yeah. except for maybe um because i i thought uh was it make you make me wanna would have been there but like where was that one that was bigger than those two songs um but- I, I the one that was surprised was in there and it wasn't on my it wasn't one of my picks was nice and slow i was not expecting him to do nice and slow or burn Oh, I figured he'd do both of those because those were Burn felt like I think Burn was the second biggest single on um on, was on um, Confessions. Confessions, yeah. Um Burn was everywhere. I wasn't expecting Confessions it was like uh, it, it kinda and then it made sense when he when he did that one as well. I, I but thought I thought he did Confessions because of it's it's received a lot of love within the last year because of TikTok and the watch this. Yeah, it's yeah. So maybe not before that it doesn't get that, but like because it's been memed to death. 
it's it like it's back. He he did the, so, meme, the like that one's been used in a meme and superstar was me was which used is in I memes, would not have expected to hear that one. Yeah, but because it's been memed, he threw it got to throw it in there for these. Otherwise, these Gen Zers, they're not gonna like who's the oh the challenge guy the usher challenge. <laughs> The, oh, the guy that does. Oh, okay. I know who he is. Like, not the diamond record selling. <laughs> no, they watch this. They know that. So. The one that I was surprised that wasn't in there, because I just thought it would be. I thought his. I thought Jungkook was going to be a special guest. Meet. Okay. So I had been saying that for like three weeks. And now I feel ashamed because I'm like, I, I guess maybe he just didn't. But like, you've got like one of the biggest K-pop stars in the world from one of the biggest K-pop groups in the world. It would make all the sense to bring him out there and you two have a moment. But he was like, no, nah, this is for Atlanta. So I was I, like, I was shocked. I was expecting that fully. Yeah. Um, and I, I saw a video from, I, I saw it after, but the, if it was timestamped, then it was before it happened. Uh, Tony Baker predicted that Caught Up would start it, would, would be the, um, the first one he sang was Caught mm -hmm. Up. The first song that played was My Way. And so I, that's yeah. why I still contend it counts. But <laughs> um, it started with, with Caught Up and, uh, I don't think there's any other song in his catalog that could have like really jumped off the show. Other than yeah, but you don't you don't you don't start with yeah yeah you don't start with yeah yeah has to be your closer. That's one thing that was different also. What with yeah being the closer because normally it's like the inspirational, the inspirational slower ballad ends the halftime show. Um, yeah, but this time it's like this dance floor filler that's been around for twenty years. Yeah, and uh, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, so you end you like end the show with that. Like that's the closer. He mm -hmm. doesn't. He has some songs that could have closed. That that's the you know the the power almost power ballad, but. Mm -hmm. Not a hit. Not a hit that was No, bad. no. I figured the showstopper would be You Got It Bad. And it was it was totally that, like, you know, lights come down, it's just him in the middle, and then all of a sudden her comes out and she plays a guitar solo. And then after plays that, that's when the, the show guitar just solo. Yeah, I saw the videos. <laughs> I was kinda, but I mean, like, but same thing happened, you know, rewind back to when Bruno Mars brings out Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. You know, and like, you know, they're fantastic musicians, her fantastic musician, but the Super Bowl is like, ah, we don't care. We're not leaving anything to chance. <laughs> so it's like they don't like if you're out there on the main stage, they don't want live instruments. So like well, everyone yeah, it's, kinda it's knows too much to um to set up. These can go wrong. Uh, yeah. frequencies can be wrong because you gotta be wireless. Yeah. Uh, you know things can just you know so they only allowed you know, that with uh yeah. with prince yeah so when the, those years the old guys when the old guys played, oh yeah well, they, they had, all they played had, uh did they did they play live or did they play to a track or play or i think they all played track? live i don't think they would have allowed like you're not gonna tell tom petty 
he would have walked. <laughs> he would have. So, Mister Petty, you're gonna um, just like we're gonna do what? Huh? What? That's what I thought. That's they. <laughs> they would. I think they would have. I think every year they they had the old guys. I was trying to explain to Abe too. I was like, they put Prince right in the middle of the old guys. Yeah, which was, it was funny like to me because who, it was like the who when only two of them were safe. still alive. Yeah, you got these safe <laughs> artists after you know the Janet Jackson thing. And it's yeah, like, Rolling who Stones. thought that Prince was the safe? I was like, you don't know what Prince, Prince might come out there in assless pants. You don't know. like. But they put him in there like, hey, let's get these old artists who are, you know, they're veterans. They've been touring for like 30, 40 years. It was just like, hey, you guys want to come play a 20 minute set? Sure. <laughs> I was like, that's all they did. Just went up there and played like a 20 minute set and sat down. Bruce Springsteen almost killed a cameraman. <laughs> And he just slid into him, but the who I'm did sure all they the, all played. The who did all the CSI <laughs> themes? <laughs> oh god! So yeah, it was like they just let them kind of do their things, and they played. But yeah, like I don't. I'm pretty sure Red Hot Chili Peppers with Bruno Mars. I've heard they weren't playing live instruments, so not surprised that her wasn't playing her guitar live. Although she definitely could play the solo, probably not as well as Ryan Barber. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I've got PTSD. <laughs> from oh God! I, I meant to text Trent when that was happening. I was like, Oh God, Oh God! But um, but yeah, I I loved it though. Like she comes out and then just it goes off the rails. You got people coming out on roller skates. Um, for some reason. Um, Jermaine Dupri is wearing Manolo's. Like I don't know what he was dressed like. Uh, who is it? Uh, <laughs> Angus from ACDC. Yeah, like what is going <laughs> on, man? I was like, I you know, hey, whatever. The outfits, you know, everybody was wearing something crazy. Little John had on leather chaps and pants and like cowboy boots. They were dressed futuristic. It was just you know, it was that future ATL. You know, like. <laughs> I did see a lot of people upset, though, in the Falcon subreddit. Like, why didn't we get this at Mercedes Benz? And risky. I forgot who we had. It's we Maroon had 5. Tra- Maroon 5 and Travis Scott, yeah. And and five seconds of uh, Big Boy. Yeah. This is this should have been the Atlanta halftime show. I mean, it essentially was the Atlanta halftime show. They just put it in Las Vegas. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So on a scale of one to ten, what do you give it? I give it like an eight. I give it an eight I as give well. It an eight. Yeah. Ali- oh, God. I didn't even think Alicia Keys. Yeah, Alicia you Keys. You know, because yeah. some people might not even know that I think it was only released in Japan. I think it might finally be out in America. But, you know, she started out with um, with um, If I Ain't Got You. And there's mm-hmm. a remix with him on it, you know. So I didn't know. I thought that's what they were going to go into, but then I forgot. Oh wait, they actually released my boo. <laughs> I forgot about that one. So made sense, but I just thought that was it was that was kind of cool to have her come out. So I mean, it was a lot of guest stars, but they were all just right. You know, it was it was well well done. What about? I mean, what do you think? I give it an eight out of ten as well. Um... I think that I, I think sometimes at the halftime show, like the expectations are just astronomically high. Yeah. 
and then mm-hmm. you know whatever they do, it's disappointing. It's hard to appreciate something for what it is. I don't know. I don't know what people expected. That I mean, I I know you maybe can take points off because maybe they could have did this song instead of this one. Um, You've but, only got like twenty minutes though. You got less. If that you have less. Yeah, you got like twelve. You got to get in and, he, and was get to, out. He was able to squeeze in fourteen songs. Yeah, so, you got. You really got to get in and get out. Like you just can't. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that was really felt when you had the old guys playing because, like, they're not. You know, at least like you know. Yeah, you have a backing band, but you clearly have backing tracks. For some of these pop artists yeah and you can decide when to cut things like but you can really like if you're a band you really feel that like we gotta we gotta go guys we gotta get these going you really do not have a lot of time it's it's yeah and to be able to get as many songs i didn't realize he got 14 songs in i believe it was 14 that's incredible yeah <laughs> uh some that's it could have been more than others but you gotta close it with yeah he gave he I I it didn't seem like he committed enough time to OMG, but I know a lot of people don't actually like that song. But you I, had was to, that Will I Am for real? Was that was really Will there? I Am. You gotta. I couldn't tell. You have to. <laughs> he had to bring in Will I Am. Yeah. Will I Am wrote the song, wrote and produced the song, but also Usher performed with Black Eyed Peas when they did the halftime show. So mm-hmm. it was like. You know, paying it back. That's my back. Yeah. <laughs> so he like had to do that, but it seemed yeah. like they committed ten seconds. <laughs> to yeah, OG. like all right, bro. Sit and down. it's like okay, we get we it, we got to bring we got to bring uh, Lil John and Luda out here. Uh, it's it's crazy it. too because yeah, is a re- like I, I heard it kind of happening. For those who don't know, yeah, is a very high song. Yeah. Um, I know. The band I was in in college, Token White, we used to play it. We played it in the original key. I know Chris would be like, dude, can we do this earlier? Like, it's a really high song to sing. I still remember when I did karaoke with Jessica James, trying to impress her. I did, yeah. Um, and I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> this is a really high song. And you can hear certain parts of the song. He takes it down. Like, he'll sing maybe like a third or, or a fifth down or something. Because, like, those notes, after you've been going non-stop for 12 minutes it's kind of hard to do so bold choice because i would have been like nah screw this we're opening with you <laughs> forget that i don't care you go out there and you try to sing it like, I'm like <laughs> so i will ask you this next year it's in new orleans i heard lil wayne wants to do lil it. wayne wants to do it <laughs> oh um, man I, I mean, don't know. In Only... a perfect world, it's the whole Cash Money crew. <laughs> but here's the thing: with this halftime show, it, they, they pick an artist that has appeal around the world. That that's right? what you have to do. That's it has to be that. Secondly, it has to be songs that people know that they know the words. They at least know the hook. That's why mm-hmm. we don't see a lot of rappers, y'all. That's why Dr. Dre stands out. Dr. Dre and Friends stands out because there yeah, are so many wild. memorable hooks going yeah. back to um, nothing but a G thing. Yeah. Then he has in the club. We know the hook for that. 
We know oh, the yeah. hook for My Name Is, or whichever song Eminem did. Or Forgot About Dre. Forgot About or... Dre. Still Dre. Still DR. Yeah. <laughs> Mary J. Blige, We Know Family Affair. Yep. Uh was uh, all the hooks all yeah we we know the hooks for those songs at the very least and there are enough hooks to where you don't have to rap the verse a whole lot not a a whole lot like a little bit and yeah and what's interesting is that it shows how much dre got out of two albums (laughs) (laughs) jeez okay hold on wait the chronic the chronic and 2001 2001 he didn't do anything from Compton the album. No, then it was ever then it was other songs that he he produced or artists that are connected yeah. to L.A. So okay, yeah, maybe it's one of, maybe it's lot. one of Snoop's songs. Then you got Fifty. Then you got Eminem and Mary J. And he produced those songs. And yeah. then you get and then Kendrick makes a special appearance. Mm. Two albums, <laughs> two albums, and a discography that he helped on. <laughs> like yeah. that's, huh. I guess that's pretty cool because I guess essentially it's Dr. Dre the halftime show. <laughs> uh, essentially, it's like, look what I did. Like, <laughs> so next year, it's it's kind of like Taylor Swift is the only one left, unless they start paying, unless they pay her, um, and then other than that, the only ones I could think of, if we just went back to the two thousands, because it's not going to be somebody too. That's been around too long. Then we're looking at, I don't know. Uh, mm, uh, Mariah Carey. Uh, I don't know if that'd be a good one though. She's. I yeah, I don't know with that one. Um, it could have been Britney, but. Sh- I, I think that I ship is set yeah. sail. Yeah, that's that's about done. Um, Christina to, Aguilera, think, that ship is sailed. Can't be Kelly Clarkson. She might not have enough songs. And so now that we're looking at people who have done it already. Beyonce. Beyonce, Lady Gaga, uh, Katy Perry. Um mm. Yeah, who Ed who Sheeran? Doesn't? No, we can't put Ed Sheeran. In. You know who needs to who needs to do it then? In that case, if we had Dr. Dre and friends, Jermaine Dupri and friends, or Diddy and Pharrell friends? and friends, Pharrell that could and be friends. Good. That could be good because you got yeah. Because Pharrell has some songs that are fun, yeah, that are upbeat, and it's going to end with happy. It's going to end with happy. Yeah, yeah, and we might need that depending on who's elected president. <laughs> I, that could be, I, I could see that I, I I do wonder though if there's some sort of backroom deal made to get Taylor to do it because she's the last she's the last superstar that's just holding out yeah they're like you were here last year we showed you your 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 boothang won the Super Bowl. Come on, Taylor, just do it, just do it. You know. Let's see if we go and, back to the 2010s. Who might there be um, outside of Taylor Swift? Uh, 20, I don't know. Like, they're not gonna do Chris Brown because he's, he's yeah, too hot. It's not gonna be Chris Brown. He's too hot. Unless 
uh, no, it's not. It, people still haven't forgiven him. It's been 15 no. years. They still haven't no, forgiven him. No, people still have not. Yeah. Uh, the woman he beat has forgiven him. But the people who had <laughs> nothing to do with this, like, mm-mm. Still, I'm just like, all right, whatever. It's not going to be um, Alicia Keys by herself. Um, Pink. Uh, Post Malone's songs are too slow. Yeah. <clears throat> Diddy's too hot right now. Can't do it. Maybe Drake. Drake hasn't done it yet. That's a possibility. Hey. That is a possibility. He's. I mean, he's the biggest rapper. You know. Um. Now, now this could be interesting. BTS. New Orleans would be. They would. They would riot. <laughs> they would riot. <laughs> Like I'm just looking here, so at you know the biggest artists of the 2010s. I mean, there's Jay Z, there's Drake. I mean, if Kanye hadn't made those comments, I could totally see Kanye doing it because he's got hooks. He's got he's. I mean, it's sad that he has become what he's become because his albums after was it Dropout were tailor made for this. Yeah, like they were made. Like you could see him like. Like, could you imagine an opening with a marching band in New Orleans on the field and you open with all of the lights as he comes out of the ground? Like, it would be the perfect show, but he don't like Jewish people. Like, if, ah, <laughs> like what is wrong with you? Like, it could be the greatest. Oh, God. Like, he's got songs that could be, like, that could be showstoppers, and what, closers. And what, and what he could do, he could have the most, the most, the minimalist, most minimalist set and for it's halftime. Because what he would do is, like he did when he released Donda, he would just put a tarp out on the field, a white tarp, have a an air <laughs> mattress with a black sheet on it. He'd wake up. He'd have on a like he was asleep. He'd have on him his the mask he's been wearing, yeah. And he'd do his songs, it and would it, be a, would be it would be a great incredible. Show. It would be incredible. Eyes fixated on that, yeah. It, 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 I don't, I don't, yeah. While it, it sounds like a good idea, it it may not happen. Or even if he opened up with like, um, was it Black Skinhead? Yeah. Black skin that has like seen this like like and not even they go to off topic but like if there were an album that like did a complete 180 in how it was received when it came out versus now yeezy is that album like when it came out it was like what the but like years later it's like oh yeah we just weren't we just weren't ready (laughs) like people have have sampled black skinhead Um, another and he'll have to deal with um, you, like you can't have any crowds around you so it might change how the whole thing looks the 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 Kanye clone man Travis Scott yep yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god when does he stop being too hot <laughs> <laughs> um I mean there's some I mean like Imagine Dragons, maybe Miley, oh maybe Ariana. There there's one. I don't know. There's one. There's one. Bieber. 
That could be his comeback. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's got he's got the tunes. And it can't it can't be I know it can't be Adele because all of her songs are slow. Yeah. Uh, you can only have one slow song. <laughs> it can't be John Legend. He don't dance. Um, him behind a <clears throat> piano is gonna be boring. Yeah. Um, can't be Harry Styles. It's gonna be too weird. <laughs> uh, Ariana Grande. I think she could do it. I think she's got the songs. I don't know how good of a dancer she is, but I think she's got the songs for sure. Um, this is funny. Lana Del Rey comes up as one of the biggest artists of the 2010s. I don't it can't be her either. I would be the slowest, saddest. <laughs> it would just be crying. Everyone just. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Crying and um, drinking. Hard yeah. alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Now, if this was 15 years ago, maybe Nickelback. But not anymore. How about um, Blink-182? <laughs> that would be fun, but they're just, I don't think they got the... They're not big enough, I don't think. Um, and can't be Billie Eilish either. All her, no, no, Outside of more. Bad Guy, everything is so slow and yeah. sad. Yeah. Which is funny because it was like the weekend had to kind of step his 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 up tempo game up. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, he would have been in that Lana Del Rey category of like, yeah, dog, your your stuff is too. You make Xanax music. Like we can't play this. <laughs> was Mister Pills and Models? We can't play this. This is <laughs> no. He had to go out and making blinding lights, and I can't feel my face. I'm popular. All right, now you can come. Now you can play. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see who they'll who they'll pick. Um, I know the NFL though is they're they're gonna they're gonna take they're gonna make a run at Taylor Swift. I know they are. They're gonna make a run they, at her. They got to. They they. I'm, yeah. I hopefully they've already started because it's gonna take some convincing. Yeah, I think honestly it would be a backroom deal. Like they pay somebody that pays her, kind of like the NCAA used to do. <laughs> Like oh, you have a, a money man. man. They got a bag man. You got a bag man. And that bag <laughs> man pays Taylor Swift. Um, Cause I was telling somebody who works, you know, who works with me and we were talking about like, you know, upcoming Usher one and, and Rihanna's. And I was like, I was like, yeah, Taylor Swift will never do it. Cause they don't pay the artist. And she didn't know. She was like, Oh, they don't I'm like, yes, yeah, it's, it's coming out their own pocket. Like they pay a ton of money. Well, the, to put the NFL, show on. no, the NFL pays for production costs up to a, up to a point. Yeah. And they'll pay for um, all the people who put the show together, pay for their logic and transportation. Okay, but, I didn't know they then, did but that they much. Are, then they get, a, they get a cut of whatever the artist makes um, for six yeah. months, I believe. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. It's messed up, man. It's, it's messed up. And, you know, hater or lover, she stands on her principles on fair compensation for artists, for writers, for musicians. So I can't imagine, I mean, so far, and I mean, everyone's got a price, let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> so far, she has not backed down from that. And I think because of how successful she's been, 
and this, you know, kind of like Beyonce, this fan base that she has built in will support her. So Beyonce and Taylor Swift are unique in that where they've been able to stand on what they want to stand on and not back down if they don't want to because their fans will ride with them. And so that's why it's hard to bully people like them because <laughs> their fans won't stand for it. You know, not only will their fans not stand for it, but whatever that artist decides to do down the road, their fans will just support. So it's like, it's just easier to find a way to get along with them rather than fight against them. It's just because, yeah, it's just easier. So it'll, I'll be curious to see, you know, what happens because they don't, I'm looking at this list and they're going to have to start repeating. <laughs> yeah. If they can't get some of these people to do it, they're going to start repeating. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So, uh, now in that part of our music news, we'll get to our cover song of the week. Um, it's my pick, right? It is. Okay. I couldn't remember. Yeah. Cause I think on the last episode, he did, uh, it was Doja Cat celebrity skin. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a good one. All right. So for my pick, I just heard this last week. Um, so, um, lion babe, uh, one of my favorite groups, uh, they've been doing, they've been taking songs that aren't dance songs and making them dance songs or they just, they just cover or they, they, you know, they really do their own take as a cover. So (laughs) they just released their cover of prototype by Andre 3000. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very interesting take on this song. So we're going to play Prototype by Lion Babe, and we'll be right back. I like I love songs that use that kind of bass though. So yeah, it sounded like it was produced by Disclosure, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm I, I thought when I looked their picture up, I was like, either they're French or British, but they're from New York. So the um the the singer there, what was her name? Jillian Hervey. She is the mm-hmm. daughter of Vanessa Williams. I did. I saw that. Yeah. 
I would have sworn though was this Lucas Goodman. I would have sworn he was French. Like he looks French or Italian. And maybe that's just like his inspiration. Like he's going for that, you know, that type of look. But yeah, he he looks French or Italian. So, uh, yeah, yeah, still no playlist for that segment. Um, (laughs) Y'all live. Uh, So (laughs) (laughs) let's get to the charts. Um, We're going to go by the current um, listing. Uh, I believe last week, Megan Thee Stallion's Hiss debuted at number one, but is not number one this week. So, number one this week is Lovin' On Me by Jack Harlow, the white fuckboy anthem. (laughs) That's number one. Uh, Let's see, number two, we have Lose Control by Teddy Swims. This is the highest it's charted. Okay, I know this one. All right, number three, we have Beautiful Things by Benson Boone. This is the highest it's charted. Familiar with this one? For a while there it was rough, but lately I've been doing better. Uh, let's go to the hook here. Please stay. I want you, I need you, oh God. Don't. Yeah, I'm so not with this one. Kind of liking it though. Okay. All right. So at number four, we got Cruel Summer. Taylor Swift from her album Lover. So this isn't even from Midnight's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number five, we have Snooze by SZA. Number six, we have I Remember Everything by Zach Bryan and Casey Musgraves. Number seven, we have one of Ben's favorites, Greedy by Tate McRae. Too bad the rest of the album's not as good. It's kind of <laughs> weak by comparison. Number eight. Inescapable Fast Car. It was number 20 last week, but after Tracy Chapman's Grammy duet, it jumps back up to number eight. Yeah. Number nine, we have Agora Hills by Doja Cat. Oh. that a lot on tiktok i don't know if she's a umg artist 
it might be gone now. <laughs> and at number 10, we have the record of the year, Flowers. It looks like this was, where was this last week? Last 32. week, this was number 32. It jumps back up to 10 after winning record of the year. You know it's never done that for a song? TikTok. What'd you say? <laughs> I said, you know it's never done that for a song before? TikTok. <laughs> like, it's it just, it was on a broadcast, you know. Yeah, but you, you get it. So, yeah. That's, you can't buy that kind of publicity. <laughs> yeah, when it gets awarded, that, um, yeah. People will go back and, and listen to it and act like they haven't heard this song. Okay, so Billboard 200, the number one album, 35 biggest hits by the late Toby Keith. When did that, I wonder when that came out. Was that recent? No, it's been that on the charts. If... It's, it, it re-entered the charts um, unranked last week. It, it, it spent 136 weeks on this chart. Okay, so he basically just he just got a push essentially. Yeah. Unfortunately for a bad reason, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Number two, One Thing at a Time by Morgan Wallen. Number three, SOS by SZA. Number four, American Dream by Twenty One Savage. Number five, The Album of the Year, Midnight's by Taylor Swift. Number six, All the for All the Dogs by Drake. Number seven, Stick Season by Noah Kahan. Number eight, Nineteen Eighty Nine, Taylor's version. Number nine, Lover by Taylor Swift. And number 10, Zach Bryan by Zach Bryan. And then we'll look at the artist two, excuse me, the artist 100. Number one, the Super Bowl champion album of the year, <laughs> Taylor Swift. Um, she, she may be here for a couple more weeks and she don't have to do anything. Number two, yep. back to our rules. If y'all remember yeah. way back, our rules for being in the top 10 on this chart, you put out new music or you die. Number two this week is Toby Keith, who has spent last week unranked, <laughs> last week unranked and has spent a, a total of eight weeks on this chart. Yeah. Number three, Morgan Wallen. Number four, <laughs> Drake. Number five, Luke Combs. Number six, Zach Bryan. Number seven, SZA. Number eight. For, ranked for the very first time, Tracy Chapman. <laughs> she came out of hiding. <laughs> and number nine, Olivia Rodrigo. Number 10, Miley Cyrus. So a third rule, surprise appearance. <laughs> yeah. After we haven't seen you in God knows how many years. <laughs> we haven't considered this a country artist because we look at this. If you count Taylor Swift, one, two, three, four, five, five of the artists are country artists in this mm. artist top 10. Um, so some, uh, some country artists that are possibilities for next year, I would say Luke Combs, Zach Bryan, Morgan Wallen, and Chris Stapleton. I think those are for possibilities. Next year for what? For the Super Bowl. Oh, for the show. Super Bowl? Possibly. I think if it weren't in New Orleans, maybe. 
like maybe if it wasn't Atlanta, maybe it was in Nashville. Um, it will be in Nashville. It will be in Nashville once their new stadium's finished. So they're ma- they are building a new stadium to replace Nissan Stadium. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, so yeah, if if one of them is still on top, I could absolutely see it. I, as a matter of fact, I'd put money on it because I think he'll still be on top. It's going to be Morgan Wallen. That'll be, that'll be who they. All get. he got to do is not say the word for the next three years. Don't say the word. And then what? Say it like six months before. <laughs> like, say like it. it say it again. the day it's been announced. <laughs> Say it the day it's been announced you're going to perform. Say it right then. And then just let the, just watch the hype. It's kind of one of those like, hey, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I could I could see that like if it's in Nashville, they might. Yeah, he might be the one to do it. Then I got to wonder who he brings out because like. I don't know, like, do you risk bringing out country artists no one's ever heard of? Or do you bring out, like, someone who does a completely opposite style of music as you? That, that, that'd be. Um, I think another possibility, I, I don't know if I just said this already, but John Batiste, I think, is a possibility. I had that in the back of my mind. Even though we Because he makes very fun. Yeah, because he makes fun music. But, but if I think people yeah. now want it to be local, they want it to be a local yeah. artist. So next year, next year it's in New Orleans, and then Super Bowl sixty. Um, let's see where it is. Super Bowl sixty. It's in. Uh oh. California Levi Stadium. Okay, so another. <laughs> I think people are going to want a Bay Area artist. That's and what I'm wondering. Like, who from the Bay Area? It can't be like who y'all want. Too short. E40. Go, DJ go ahead and get Quick. Third Eye Blind. <laughs> third Eye Blind. Metallica. Dude, you joke. I could. Totally- <laughs> they just won best metal album um how old would they be by then that be that should have been that's it that would be in, in 2020 the, the that's two years from now that's two years that, was, from that now. would have been one of the old guys ones bring in metallica um that's another hey can y'all come up here and play for like 20 minutes <laughs> no spectacles just set, set up a stage and just by that time <laughs> For example, James Hetfield will be 62. Okay, that's not... I, th- I thought they might be in their late 60s, maybe early 70s, so they could still get out there. You know, it wouldn't look as... I mean, Mick Jagger was up there shaking, and he was... I'm sure yeah, he was that, well that was in his 70s. That was 2006. I'm sure he... He was already in his I'm mid-60s. Sure he, Had to be. <laughs> <laughs> Keith Richards was just kind of standing there. <laughs> um... Let's see, San Francisco musical artists. Well, I mean, <laughs> you could take up Jefferson Airplane. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about the whole Hate Ashbury. I mean, like, geez, in the 70s, this would have been huge. Journey, Huey Lewis, Third Eye Blind, Santana. 
20 years ago now, like fresh off of um, Shaman <laughs> and Supernatural. That would have been a great show. Just Santana and Friends, basically. Train. Dig up the Counting Crows. <laughs> yeah, the only people I can see on here, you ain't bringing out, you ain't digging up Night Ranger. Mm -mm. It, it'd have to be, yeah, yeah, Metallica. Unless you go with the rapper. So, yeah, that would be E40 <laughs> and Too Short or Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> It's not gonna oh, be God. in there, man. Bring up hammer. Um I would I would be happy with the Metallica halftime show. I'm just wondering would everyone else be happy? These are these are artists from Oakland that it could possibly be if they went the Oakland route. Uh E forty too short, Tony Tony Tony, oh, MC oh, Hammer, oh, oh, oh. Keisha Cole, Kaylani, G Easy. No, they're not doing this. <laughs> in, in Vogue, huh? Oh, the coup. Yeah, just bring up this. The coup. <laughs> Digital under Tower of Power. In all seriousness, would be a great show, but nobody would care. Nobody would like, know, they, man. They put on an amazing show, and I just be like, "Yeah, sold out. What's up? All right." <laughs> no one else is gonna get it. Um. Yeah. Mm. -mm. No, yeah. Or let's see, who else might it include? Um, MC Hammer would be hilarious, though. <laughs> uh, Larry June. I know some people like him. Uh, Loonies. Mm. So that would also include, I think, The Far Side is from the Bay Area. Um. See, now we're just naming artists that Gen X and millennials would just be like, I remember, like, it'd be a bunch of us, but like, oh my God, I've heard this song in so long. That's what it would be. Who, who did the song <laughs> um, 93 Till Infinity? Oh, I love that song. Um, hold on, because I've, I've been listening to that song a lot, actually. Um, this is how we chill from 93 until, this is how we chill from 93 until. Um, where are we at? Because that song's actually been trending on TikTok as well. Uh, Souls of Mischief. Yeah, that, that no, not them either. Lil B. Oh, geez. Lil Dicky. You remember Creation? Remember her? Uh, Simon Rex. The NFL no. is not. This the NFL is not calling these people. Um. There's nothing to collect in those six months after. <laughs> a Tupac uh, uh, hologram? No. <laughs> you can collect for six days after, but not no six months. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, that'll do it for our music news. Um, and <clears throat> I just got this. I don't know how old this story is, but T-Pain says he has stopped writing music for country artists because of the racism he's experienced. Yeah, I heard about that. He apparently he's I saw that video a few weeks ago. He was ghostwriting a lot of it because I imagine that would probably shock some people if they see, you know, his name on the writing credits. So mm. 
I guarantee you he was making a ton of money from doing it, though. All right. Well, uh, we'll look more into that possibly for our, our music news for the next episode. Ben, why don't you tell us about your earworm of the week? <clears throat> um, so not this past weekend, but the weekend before. Don't judge me. I saw Despicable Me for the first time ever. Um, I did not realize how old that movie was. It was like 2010 or something. Super, super old. In any case, um, I didn't realize that Pharrell had basically been doing the music for all of the movies. Yeah. Didn't know that. Found that out, though, from watching this one. Um, And there was a song that played during the carnival scene called Fun, Fun, Fun. I really liked it. It, It reminds me. Of, and you'll maybe you'll probably hear this. It kind of reminded me of Reeling in the Years by Steely Dan. It has like kind of like a blues shuffle to it. Um, and then he comes in kind of singing his, you know, trademark falsetto. But I just really like this song. It's, it's really cool. All right. This is Fun, Fun, Fun from Despicable Me by Pharrell. And we'll be right back. Fun, fun, fun by Pharrell from the uh, Despicable Me soundtrack. And for those, um, Happy was in Despicable Me too. if you're expecting the song from the same movie, but it isn't. And you can find that um, song. You go ahead. No, I'm probably going to watch Despicable Me too at some point. Um, The first one was decent. It wasn't amazing, but it was good enough. And... uh, you can find that on our BTTYC Earworms playlist on Spotify right now. So we started this episode with the song <laughs> Do They Know It's Christmas uh, by Band-Aid, uh, which came out, I believe, in 19... 
84. And it was a charity single uh, featured a lot of British artists. I think there were a couple of American artists in there. Um, I think Jody Watley was um, saying on that song on that one. Um, but a, a charity single, um, Bob Geldof headed <clears throat> the, um, headed the way as far as producing a, a single to, um, for, uh, for charity to donate for the famine going on in Africa. So, um, that indirectly inspired, uh, the song we're going to talk about, um, in which a documentary was made. So we're discussing the Netflix documentary, The Greatest Night in Pop. And it is about the making of the song, We Are the World. Um, it's about an hour, a little over an hour and a half. Um, produced by Lionel Richie. Makes sense. And Makes sense. Um, so because he produced the documentary, he wrote the song, co-wrote the song, so he can tell the story how he wants. Uh, because some people who were involved in the making of the song either are not here or did not participate in the documentary. Um, so uh, I have some notes, and uh, we can go ahead and get into this. Yep. Um Quincy Jones did have the sign that said, check your ego at the door. Mm -hmm. But it is interesting to see how many egos were actually in that room at one time. Yeah, it was. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, Dreamlike, I guess. Like, yeah, stars in the 80s versus stars now kind of had this mystique to them. We just have so much access to celebrities now. And in the 80s, you didn't have that access. Access So stars felt larger than life. And so as they're kind of talking about the people that would be there, I was just in awe yeah. <laughs> at all the people that would be there. And then I think what was even cooler is there's levels to this, right? So like you, we think of someone like Huey Lewis is a star. But like he's not as big as Michael Jackson. He's not as big as Bruce Springsteen or Bob Dylan. So like there's levels to this thing. Sheila E is like, oh my God, it's Bob Dylan. Like, you know, so that's I thought that was very interesting as well. Even amongst famous people, there's still there were still people there fanning out. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um so uh this I have some notes here. Um <laughs> So basically, Michael Jackson is uh, a co-writer because Stevie never called Lionel back. So what did I write down? Stevie shows up late. I wrote that like halfway through. He just like shows up on his own time. He's like, oh, y'all already started writing? Dude, no, we're done three writing. Weeks. <laughs> we're done writing. <laughs> this was three weeks ago. Like... We are done like. Did he writing. just think that we're just gonna wait around for him or something? Or, I, don't, I don't know. Like it's, it's starting to make me think that maybe Stevie had an ego back then. I don't know. Well, I, I don't think know. It, it came from that. It didn't seem to be a sense of urgency to put the song together. 
mm-hmm. but this is pre-internet, y'all. Like, how yeah. are you going to get everyone together to do this? Yeah. So, like, okay, it's going to be the American Music Awards, now known on our podcast as the Trash Grammys. <laughs> Shout out to Rob <laughs> Harfell. But, yeah, that's what I wrote down, too. And I'll save why I refer to them as the Trash Grammys again, but I'll talk about that yeah, in a minute. So, um yeah, that was the, that. That's how you're going to get everybody in the same room, and you want everyone to sing together. No one's doing this yeah. separately. No one. You, you have one night to do the whole thing, which was incredible. Like that's incredible. That many artists, one night only. So mm. you gotta have that's like Quincy Jones really quarterback this whole thing. So that's also one of my notes. Is there any other producer that you can think of past or present that could have pulled this off in one night with the biggest American artist in the world? The only other person I could think of is David Foster. Would they be trying to fight him by the end of the They would have been trying to fight him, though. (laughs) I agree. How many takes would he make that? This would have taken three days instead of, you know, seven hours. (laughs) <laughs> it was taking oh, three days. <laughs> he would have got it done, them. but it would have taken a long time. <laughs> so many takes, so many cups of hot tea. <laughs> he's definitely, he's definitely pushing. He's going to be pushing people like Steve Perry. He's going to be pushing people like Michael, like people who never worked with him. Like from oh. that documentary we watched, he is a hard ass. Like he accepts nothing but your best, like, dude. Dude, Bob Dylan, him trying to work with Bob Dylan. Oh yeah, he wouldn't have. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Bob would have. Bob walked. Dylan would have never walked. been there. He would have walked. Yeah, he would have never invited him. He's like, we don't need Bob. You know, you know. He would have had all. Of that. He would have probably had a young Celine Dion in there. Barbara Streisand. Yeah. Peter Cetera. Yeah. But no, I agree. He's the only other person. But they would have wanted to fight him. Yeah, because he like by the fourth or fifth take and he's like, I think you can go higher. Nah, bro. He wouldn't accept any of this. Like, it's not in my range. <laughs> that doesn't be in your range. Not in my today. vocabulary. This <laughs> <laughs> will be a race today. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I also made the note. So my first my very first note was, will we ever get something like this again? So, of course, you mentioned they wanted everyone there, sing the parts together. They wanted to document it. Um, Nowadays, this feels like everybody would just like, hey, here's the song, emailing it back and forth. Someone might record in New York. Someone might record in L.A. Someone might record in their home studio in Missouri. Like, it's do we ever get something like this again where you can bring together the biggest stars to come together to do something like this? It would be close to impossible. Um, And it wouldn't be necessarily because of the egos. Um, It would be, and we saw that in a couple of cases here, everyone has their process, right? And this was, yeah, okay, we can get everybody together. We know what this is for, but it's pressure, right? Oh, yeah. You don't have... 
it can't be like, okay, even if you're working with David Foster, it will be pressure on him too, because you don't get yeah. 30, 40 takes. You get yeah. five. At and we're trying max. to get this right. Because we, there were some people who they were getting like two or three takes tops. Yeah. Like and they would, get they it would and, get it. Yeah. But the pressure is on to get it right as soon as possible. In front of the in greatest front of fingers. Your, <laughs> in front of your peers. Yeah. And peers that you are probably co- directly competitive with. For or in some cases, like you might be intimidated, yeah, or it could be very intimidating. You saw people were intimidated by others, so because of that, it's close. It's it's close to impossible. I know. Twenty five years later, there's a there's a remix of "We Are the World." There were some rappers who snuck in there and got a verse in or something, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) it wasn't the same. It's not the same as this. Um, I don't think it will ever reach this kind of level in which you have that many people in the same room because people's egos are bigger now, I think. Yeah. Well, I also think, too, so to your point, everyone has their process, right? And a lot of people were kind of, even if you were just singing one line, maybe there's a specific way that you're used to recording. You just had to kind of suck it up and record, you know, that way. How many artists today... A would be willing to come out of their process or B might be exposed. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, oh, you actually can't sing or you yeah, actually can't do this. Yeah, that, there ain't, ain't no auto tune. Ain't no auto tune on this. I also wonder about that because one thing I never knew how many people have vocal, just specifically vocal producers. Like you've got your regular producer and then you got the person, oh, this person is the person that always produces my vocals. Mm. You're not gonna bring. You can't bring in forty different vocal producers. You got one. You you got and that's one. That's the thing. And it's you just, have yeah. And in this case, it's one producer trying to work with. It has to be someone who works with multiple artists who could work with any kind of artist. Yeah. So it's it's got to be someone like a Quincy Jones who has worked with. He's worked with Michael. He's worked with Frank Sinatra. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, Everyone in between. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it had to be someone who is that versatile and could deal with all of these egos because I think there was some footage that was left out because what I've, from stuff I've read, Quincy had to cut some people out uh, during this. Okay. So that <laughs> makes sense shown. because hearing what he, like, so even just hearing his interview about the Beatles and their lack of musicianship, I was like, oh, he's, he ain't got time for this. So and I was like, the documentary made is... him seem like the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. The, and the and most I'm like, patient. there's n- no way <laughs> that he... <laughs> he cut somebody out, okay? We he know had he did. to. <laughs> he had to put somebody in their place. You know, so, so yeah. yeah, I was waiting for that. And it's, of course, Lionel Richie's telling the story. He's going to try to make Quincy look as good as he can. Yeah. You know? So... But they know. And that just Quit. he didn't slap anybody, but he he cut somebody out. <laughs> but that brings up the point, you know, I made after watching first NWA and now um um Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, is there a problem with people who are too close to the story? <laughs> Cause you have no incentive at all 
to make you or anyone that you greatly care about look bad. You no incentive whatsoever. And it can't be and it's it's always going to be like worry about making them look bad at the expense of well we'd want them we want to be um we want to be nice about this. We want to be um or we can't if they did something that to the audience, it may look out of the ordinary based on what the people have seen from that particular person. Like yeah. if we've always seen Quincy Jones, like he's cool, he's he he makes jokes, but if he's yelling at somebody or if he's a little aggressive in how he talks to somebody, that that scares people enough to yeah. where oh this isn't real or it makes that or like I said it makes them look bad like oh they look at him differently yeah. because he yelled at somebody yeah. then you don't understand like what he does to try to get the best out of his artist and two considering this situation this whole thing was recorded the video and the song in about eight hours <laughs> yeah very difficult to do and, and not and, just and, eight hours, eight hours after everyone had been up all day. All day. They were just at <laughs> not an a award fresh show. eight hours. Yeah. Some of them were performing. Like, Lionel, I don't know how Lionel Richie did it without drugs. Because it had to be. <laughs> he, he had been had up all be. day. He, had, he, he, hosted, he hosted an award show. An yeah. award show in which he won six awards. So he's he performing. Well, he, he performed twice. And he hosted the show <laughs> and he, he was stayed there through the whole thing. And just like if Quincy Jones was the quarterback, then, or maybe, maybe put it like this, Quincy Jones was the, he was the offense coordinator or the head coach <laughs> and Rolando Richie is the quarterback. He had to get everyone yeah. organized, get everyone in line, make sure they mm -hmm. stayed on task. So he's doing all of that after all the work he just put in a few hours before. <laughs> yeah. And he wrote yeah. the song. <laughs> yeah, so, I'm, I'm with you. I don't know how he does about without drugs. <laughs> without something. I don't know how strong it was, but something. Somebody came like, by going. and he he's like, hey, I, I just need to go to the bathroom real quick. And then oh, I'm back. I'm back. All right. All right. Who's up All next? All right. Let's keep going, guys. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, this was, uh, well, we, we can get to that part. So, um, the story goes that, um, the, the manager, Cragen, he came to mm. Lionel Richie, um, after hearing the, do you know, it's Do they know it's Christmas? He's like, we need to do a song like that. Lionel, let's, uh, let's have you write a song. And immediately he thinks, to get this done, we need someone like Quincy Jones. So they bring in Quincy Jones. Like, okay, uh, you should get Stevie to write the song with you. Cool. I'm going to call Stevie. Stevie's not answering. <laughs> Stevie never called back. All right. Well, let's what get Michael. What is Stevie doing? What is Stevie doing? <laughs> what was Stevie doing? Uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, Taking those off my keyboard. Let me stop. <laughs> The original. Let me stop. <laughs> so uh, let's get Michael. Um, 
yeah, I know Michael. Michael's cool. I've known Michael for, for years. So they come over. Uh, so he comes over. They start working on the song. But they're just, they've just been messing around for weeks. Because <laughs> there's no, yeah, there's like, no sense they, of urgency. There's no sense of urgency bubbles, because snakes. <laughs> yeah, there's no Animal sense of urgency fighting. because like it's like well, I mean, when are we gonna record this anyway? So they're trying to figure that mm-hmm. out, and it's like well, everyone's gonna be in town for the American Music Awards. <laughs> so oh crap, <laughs> we, we gotta we get, we really gotta do this now. So then that so then it kicks in, and then they they eventually have something done. Um, so when they're trying to, and then they're like, it felt like scouting draft picks when they were picking people who they wanted to be on the song. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, uh, well, uh, I wanted Madonna, but he wanted Cindy Lauper. And we really fought over that. It's like, Cindy Lauper got chosen over Madonna for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wanted Prince, but he, <laughs> he never committed. And I guess people really didn't know how eccentric Prince really was uh, to where he, yeah. ha- he has the process of, uh, th- I think you said it, he doesn't record in the booth. He records at the board. He records his vocals yeah. at the board. His vocals and his, and his um, alive instruments as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he has his process. So a different process I think I think it was more the process that made him uncomfortable. But I've read that he didn't like the song. Uh, he didn't want to be around mm. those people because he didn't really like them. And, Interesting. Okay. Um, mm. And then him having him. to be <laughs> <laughs> having to be in a room with you know with Michael, having to be around Michael, and it's my and then he's got to sing a song that Michael wrote that he had nothing to do with. That could that such could a weird rivalry. With you. Yeah, yeah. Such a weird rivalry. Like, so Prince never he never came, even though they tried to like convince him by like, well, Sheila will bring Sheila E. We'll, we'll, let's get Sheila E. on there. She knows Prince, and what do you she, think we'll of give, that? We'll give her a part, and then maybe Prince will sing the part that we give to him. What do you think about that? Do you think that they were wrong for that? Or do you think they were just being... They're wrong. Like, they're wrong. it was... I kind of felt if bad, they, and I could really, tell she felt bad. If they really knew him, they would know he ain't coming. No yeah. matter how good the song is, if he can't do it, if he can't record it the way that is comfortable for him, he ain't coming. Yeah, I felt I felt bad for Sheila E. Um... It seemed like it, she was really hurt when she realized, yeah, they're just using me. Yeah. And because and some people really may say, hurt. like, well, she only had, like, no, at the time, Glamorous Life was, I don't know if that's the name of the album, but I know that song was humongous. Yeah. And yeah. coming off of Purple Rain and her touring with Prince, she was a big deal at the time. Uh, and they felt that if we got an up and coming star like her, then we can also get him. But I, but it was wrong that they dangled the "we'll give you a solo line" if you bring mm-hmm. in Prince. And then it, she realized it wasn't happening; that she wasn't. It was kind of like she she's only there because of him. I'm surprised and, they let that stay in. Yeah. Um, 
considering he had, you know, maybe it's because he felt bad. They felt bad after all these years, but I was very surprised now that I know that Lionel Richie produced it, that they let that stay in. Cause you could kind of see in her eyes, she, she was hurt, you know? Yeah. And I felt, I felt bad for her. Um, Cause as she was in there, I'm thinking the whole time, like, I don't remember her singing a solo part in that song. And then it finally got the part like, yeah, they never intended for me, you know? And the fact that they left that in there probably means that it was true. Yeah. <laughs> that they never intended. They're just like, yeah, if she can't get Prince, then cut her loose. Because that that so the sad. more it was that was more the concern. They and it was in the, there was nothing in the documentary in which Lionel Richie talked about it. No, he wasn't going to talk about it. No, he's the golden boy. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. Um, so with them scouting people, they bring in uh, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, they bring in Bob Dylan. Um, some people missed out. David Byrne from the Talking Heads was not yeah. available because he was on tour. Van, Van Halen, Halen, they were on tour. That would have been interesting. <laughs> that would have been very interesting. Um, so also, and then one old lady said uh, that she wanted Dan Aykroyd. Like, what does Dan Aykroyd have to do with this? That I mean, he was there, no sense. but no sense at all. Why do we need Dan Aykroyd? I don't know if he can sing or not, but he is an actor. <laughs> that made that that was is, the is wild he somebody's card. friend. <laughs> that felt like a favor. <laughs> What's going on? It's like, hey, Dan, you want to meet these people? Well, yeah, and he just like shows up. Like, <laughs> did he try to get Bill Murray in there too? <laughs> So it's like, oh, if a ghost comes, we can Dan Aykroyd's here. I'm like, and why is he? Like, <laughs> do we know? <laughs> Does he sing? Is yeah. he a ghostwriter on the song? <laughs> and, that made uh, no sense. So <laughs> maybe it was his lighting equipment. I don't know. <laughs> no sense. Just you know. It was like, yeah, we gotta have Dan Aykroyd. Why? We gotta have Dan Aykroyd. Uh, yeah, a, a mystery. It's still a mystery. Even the yeah. the the movie does not answer that question. Because uh, no one knew. <laughs> Lionel didn't know. Like, why was he there? Somebody knew him. I don't know. <laughs> um, I wrote the note: bigger fish to fry than world famine. Oh yeah, I guess as far as like uh, writing the song, they're still messing around. Um. I guess Michael had started writing new songs for what eventually went on the bad album. Um, so they're still messing around. Uh, then Lionel tells the, the snake story. <laughs> as yeah. They write this song. <laughs> so they finally get the song done and they're, it's going to be the night of the American music awards. So they have the logistics of finding a studio with a, yeah. a big enough space to uh to record and if for people watching on facebook live the background that is the room that they recorded the song in yeah that studio's still there right a&m yeah. studios yeah okay um so they uh so that that was interesting trying to find the find the space to do it because we it's got to be one to where everyone can comfortably get in yeah um get in get out We'll deal with the press. They're trying not to leak the story. It gets leaked anyway, but they're just trying to protect at least where it is to limit, at least limit the media. <clears throat> yeah. um, 
Lewis Johnson so, on the bass. Of, of, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Who else would he trust? That was part, that was the first person Quincy called. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. Before he so called you Stevie, got your, he called Lewis You got Johnson. your ringers. I got mine. <laughs> I am curious who that drummer was because I didn't recognize the drummer. I didn't um, either. Yeah. Uh, I thought it. I, I, I thought. I thought it would have like been. Um, of, you know. I thought it was Jeff Picaro. Just for some reason, I was. I was just guessing that Jeff Picaro was the drummer. <laughs> Let's see. And I. I did find something after we find out who this drummer was. Um. Why Dan Aykroyd was there because he he talked about it in an interview. John Robinson, uh, who is he did play on Off the Wall. Okay, so someone he trusted <laughs> played on Off the Wall. The, he has the famous drum fill for Rock with You. That was him. Oh, okay. So let me see here. So funny enough, though. Uh, even though Jeff wasn't there, there was still a Picaro in the room. <laughs> uh, Steve, Steve, Steve Picaro. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and David Page. So from uh, is, he was from Toto too, right? Yeah, he was in Toto. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm um, telling you, man, he has those guys that he trusts, and he's like, once yeah. you get in, <laughs> like you, like he'll call you, and he will, you know, yeah. So. Yeah, so Steve, maybe maybe Jeff couldn't make it. I don't know, but I imagine maybe Jeff was his first. <laughs> it's like, can Jeff come? No. Oh, man. Who else we got, man? <laughs> Who can play like Jeff? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, so, Steve uh, shows up. Finally. <laughs> after the songs, the, the lyrics are done. Uh, they're demoing say? the song. They're doing yeah, as they're demoing the song. They finished hey, the song. Now they're doing the the they're making the tape to send out. And what were you gonna say? No, I'm just saying he was like, Hey, I'm here, you know. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, that was what are you doing? Yeah. Another um, uh, another way that like this would not could not be pulled off today is what it like took to get the tape out to everyone. I, I just wrote, I must have my tape by tomorrow. I know Quincy Jones said that, but I mean, he's already in the room. He's going to have his tape. So anyway, but mm-hmm. for them sending out the tapes, FedEx um, <laughs> around the country to get it to, to for, and then people are going to be in, um, be in town in the next few days. So just the, another logistical thing that is mm-hmm. just from the time of it. This is 1985. So I did think that was crazy because I didn't know. I for some reason I thought everyone just heard and learned the song for the first time that when night. they got there. <laughs> yeah, I was like, but that makes sense. Yeah, send out, send some tapes out. That would have made it, it, you know, even more incredible. Yo, yeah, it was going even longer. <laughs> yeah, it's like we just learned this tonight. First time hearing it. Let's go, baby. Like. <laughs> Um, so you have the, uh, sorting out the, uh, this was another thing, um, sorting out the solos, the solo line, yeah, how Baller. they split it up. Yeah. Uh, that is, man, I, that's not, that's an unenviable task to me. No. Yeah. That's yeah. 
Um, Tom Baller, who was the guy who he went to for it, who he felt did great vocal arrangements. So, I mean, they approached it almost scientifically, like, you know, get the singers, study their range, um, their style, and then arrange them, you know, based on maybe like this singer is this and then this singer's the antithesis of this. So the I think the best example he pointed out was we got Bruce Springsteen, who has the gruff voice. Let's get Kenny Loggins, who has kind of a sweet voice Let's right after him. Let's counter it, yeah. 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 So I, I thought that was interesting, you know, and, and then even more interesting, hearing Kenny say, like, how do I follow Bruce? Like, <laughs> like, well, they, you know, and I guess maybe if you tell them, like, hey, just do what you do. That's why we put you here. You know, that makes it easier. But, you know, I also imagine, like, if you're Kenny Loggins, you know, maybe you're intimidated. Like, Bruce Springsteen is huge, one of the biggest, you know, rock stars in the world. And, you know, you're cool in your own right. You're Kenny Loggins. But, like, damn, ain't no Bruce Springsteen. Like, <laughs> how do I follow this? So I thought that was that whole way they approached it was interesting. But it even sounds like when they got to the studio, people were like, I can't sing that. I, I'm like, dude, I studied. Yes, you can. You, you got this. Trust me. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is in your wheelhouse. Just do it, you know. So, yeah, it, I, I definitely agree with it. It was the scientific approach. And then having the various like levels of well, not not levels, but more of the different styles countering each other to yeah. to have it mesh all together and mm-hmm. to really show that, you know, what the different kinds of people. I mean, we got artists from different genres, different fan bases, mm-hmm. um, different levels of success. So. Um, and it, it like to definitely different vocal styles. So, yeah. um, definitely did an incredible job of, of making that work. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, oh, was, well, Lionel Richie saying, um, if we stop for a minute, this thing's going to be chaos. So I just thought drugs. Oh no. Were there going to be drugs? <laughs> if we stopped then. <laughs> Does someone go to the bathroom and take a bump or something? It was kind of like, uh, <laughs> do you remember on on Mad TV they made a parody of Behind the Music? I know what you're talking about. Yeah, Eddie Murphy Eddie making Murphy. party all the time, and Rick James who wrote the song just saying, "I'm gonna go, I'm gonna be outside." <laughs> just <laughs> whatever happens, I'm gonna be outside. <laughs> oh God, who was playing? Because I know Eddie was Aries Spears. Who was? Uh, I think it was Phil Lamar. Was Rick? I think okay. Phil Lamar. <laughs> made me want to smoke crack. That's right. I said it. <laughs> yeah, after every line, he would go out and do a line. <laughs> it was great. That's that's probably one of my all-time favorite sketches, like, of anything I've ever seen. Like, it was – that was hilarious. <clears throat> um, Quincy Jones, I, I think people maybe underestimate the influence um, or his, 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 uh, methods of persuasion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast, but I, I just read Will Smith's, uh, biography and he talked about when he auditioned unofficially, uh, for the, pre- for the Fresh Prince. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who don't know, it was actually a, uh, the original script was a pilot for 
um, a sitcom that was going to star Morris Day. <laughs> so it was Ooh, revamped. I don't think I knew that. And um, he uh, he's on tour. Will is on tour with the fr- with uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff, and he's asked to come to a party at Quincy Jones' house. I think it was his birthday, and they he's like. Hey, we might have a, a TV show for you. Oh, yeah. So, you, uh, yeah, I've always wanted to get into acting. All right, cool. Um, hey, uh, get that one script. So <laughs> someone grabs a script for him, hands it to him. Like, okay, all right, we're going to have you read the script. What? What? Uh, so you want me to, like, you know, read it and, and audition next week? Oh, uh, no, you're going to do it. You're going to do it now. <laughs> Didn't even know. Didn't even know it was going to happen, you know? So, because there was a moment where um, he told Dion Warwick, uh, so, yeah, you're going to be in uh, Los Angeles next week. Yeah, just, uh, yeah. You know, I'm going like, to be oh. in Las Vegas. <laughs> I, I have a show. No, and, and, like, no, you ain't. No, you don't. Yeah. That show has been postponed. <laughs> You'll be in Los Angeles next and she week. She even said, like, you know, when Quincy, you know, called, he was, you know. You, you just go, you know, He's, what he does, you want to be a part of it. Like, <laughs> which is why it's not even to, you know, to bash anyone, but like, I always tell, always say that, like, we said it before, like, Quincy didn't need Michael Jackson. Quincy was a legend in his own right. Yeah. That's not belittling Michael. But like Quincy, like if Quincy doesn't produce Michael Jackson's albums, he's still seen as one of the greatest musical minds of the 20th century, hands down. Like he's a legend. Yeah. So, and and this the fact that he did this brings all of these people together, proves it. Yeah, he he got it done. You know, um, the man was a legend. I wrote that in my notes too. <laughs> he's a, he's a legend. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Then there's the part with 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 Sheila E. That, uh, well, not yet, but they're still holding out hope at this point that Prince is going to show up. And it would have been this. Uh, it would have been the moment. Apparently, um, well, we'll come back to that. But just to think, if Prince was there with Michael Jackson. And this is like Thriller and Purple Rain are here. Neck and neck. They man. are here. <laughs> and then they do a song together. That would have been like, this would have been, imagine this being a bigger moment than what it was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it could have been a bigger moment if you if you had that. And, considering yeah, and I think they knew the, that though the legacy that that it that it's that it's gathered so far. Yeah. Um, we have joked, but it's true that on the Billboard charts, the Hot R and B Hip Hop chart was called the the black top singles? black singles. Yeah. So at the American Music Awards, <laughs> they and this have, is why I call them the Trash Grammys in my notes. In which there is no, there's real no real suspense with the American Music Awards because it was at the time it was about radio airplay, so it was basically mm-hmm. just math. 
Yeah. Uh, favorite black single. <laughs> favorite black album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are real categories. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> I have to imagine this is why Rob Harvilla calls it the trash Grammys amongst other reasons, but yeah. Yeah. So definitely at the time on billboard charts, it was the black singles and mm-hmm. on that. And now it's the, the hip hop R and B charts. So, mm-hmm. um, it was still funny that those are, those were actual categories. Like those are trophies in Lionel Richie's house. <laughs> <laughs> Best no favorite black album can't slow down. By yeah. <laughs> hey, weird times, man. Weird times. So, uh, Lionel Richie is is hosting the American Music Awards, performing, and still trying to like make sure everybody shows up at the studio after the show. <laughs> Meanwhile, and trying Michael, to keep it secret too. <laughs> yeah, poorly. Um, not his fault though. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, Michael is at the studio. Um, uh, going, he's working. So it's funny because when this came out, I would see clips from TikTok where people were like denigrating some of the other singers on the song and be like. Huh. This what this what Michael had to work with. No wonder he looked upset. I'm like, first off, there this there a lot of them there. This is their first time singing this song. Michael was there for probably hours, yeah. perfecting his vocals. Not only aside from the fact that he's super talented, he wrote the song, so he has a good understanding of how the vocal should go, and he was in there practicing, so he was ready. Like it was, he, that's not fair. He had he had an advantage. He had yeah. an advantage because he had been there. He he had been there already. And you said as yeah. as a co-writer, he had an advantage. Yeah. Uh I don't know. I didn't if appreciate at that the point, Huey Lewis hate. <laughs> I didn't know at that point, like, did they have like seven, eight takes? And now he's looking upset, like, well, y'all get it right. <laughs> but <laughs> well, yeah, that's a, yeah, because I know one of those that first Huey Lewis take was, oh, I was like, oh, that's a little flat. But then he came back and he got it, you know. And he and that um, was and it was flat because it was just nerves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the he's singing the part that um it's supposed to be for that Prince, Prince yeah. was going to sing. So um also like Cindy Lauper almost didn't show up because her boyfriend said the song's not a hit. She can't Who still the hell be is her with boyfriend? that guy. She can't still Who is be her with boyfriend? That <laughs> like that's gotta be, be that like dude, what kind of judgment like <laughs> Like, did he tell her to like uh, that company Apple? Don't buy their stock; they're gonna be nothing. Like, like who is this guy? <laughs> if we knew, we would. If if they knew what that was, and she came when she came back home or whatever, she had to break up with him immediately. Or when you find out yeah. that song's a hit, you have to break up with him immediately. Oh, that's so. That's funny. I just typed in Cindy Lauper boyfriend, and it says during Real the World, like who was? <laughs> I I gotta know. Who that is to say like yeah this ain't a hit dear, like that's don't ever listen to him. He probably would probably tell you to not record. Girls just want to have fun or time after time. He's just like I don't hear it, babe. These aren't hits. These aren't hits. Time after time might be the worst. Like <laughs> you just gotta like you know what. 
we had an okay run. <laughs> this isn't working. Um, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. Um, okay, so the sign, check your ego at the door. Um, I think that, that, that was, that was, that was big. I think that was, I think big people were actually heated that, um, one thing, another thing that's interesting, why it also could not be pulled off today. No personal assistance. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No personal assistance. It's you in there. We don't want to, um, we don't we don't want to see like your manservant, your driver, your bodyguard. No, no one else is coming into the booth. It's just you, you know, and uh, you have to deal with all these other all these other artists being in there. Um, a very, <laughs> uh, did you catch Billy Joel's joke? No, or was it Paul say? Simon? I think it was Paul oh, Simon. The John Denver joke? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> About yeah, John Denver, yeah. It's like if we um if a bomb drops on us, John Denver's back on top. Um then they bring in Bob Geldof. What do you think of Bob Geldof's speech? I wrote that. I thought that was great. Um I don't know if it was planned cuz it sounded like Quincy kind of put him on the spot, but it was one of those halftime speeches or pregame speeches that kind of sobers everyone's like ha 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 having fun ha 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 we're rich and famous ha 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 and bob comes in here and says you know a, a gut punch essentially like don't forget why you're here you know essentially like what they, if this was a black church um when they have their program like here's greg Hurd to give us the occasion <laughs> 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 that's the he Bob Gildoff is here to give us the occasion and he delivered and it sobered everyone up a bit and you know probably helped the night go as how it kind of needed to go um I did write it sounds like really heavy-handed but it's like mm -hmm. it's necessary it was still necessary yeah uh, just to keep everybody um to give the perspective of why we're doing this. Yeah. Keep it. Uh, because we, we're not getting paid off of this. Yeah. We're doing this, this for, is, this is for charity. This is to help people and to consider the people that you're helping and why they need help. Yeah. So I think he did it. It was a, a, a great, a great speech to explain the purpose. And yeah. that was also very important in, um, making this happen you know yeah. just to keep that that in mind um what was the next even thing his had? message to stevie when stevie wants to sing in swahili and first off they're like yeah. no one in ethiopia speaks swahili but then also he's like you're not selling this to the people that you're helping you're selling it to the people who have the money, have the to, money give. to give yeah yeah like don't forget your audience stevie <laughs> you know and that's what a good producer can do that's what I said so, that uh, Stevie was trying to shoehorn Swahili in there and maybe get a writing credit. Uh, <laughs> and Waylon Jennings was apparently out was of there. Not feeling it. He was like, nope, that's he it. Was I was already on the out fence. Out of there. <laughs> and no one seemed to stop him. Willie couldn't yep. stop him. No one tried to stop him. 
Uh, yeah. But I also wrote, thank you, Geldof, for uh, bringing Stevie back around to where yeah. we don't actually need that. Uh, and then the the Shalinge, uh <laughs> the Shalinge. <laughs> what? So it's like, okay, um, we're not gonna do Swahili. We're just gonna do some gibberish. <laughs> so I was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> and so and then Smokey had to say, what? What are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Um. And what's funny also, when they first started singing the chorus, when they, everyone was singing the chorus together, you hear people tapping their feet and they're like, uh, that was hilarious, do, that, do that from your knees. And then they sing it again. It's like, are, they're tapping their feet again. <laughs> they're still doing still. it. <laughs> but that's probably, that's probably their process. Like they're used to being in a booth, yeah. you know, and you can probably, and you know, maybe it's carpeted, you know, booths are typically soundproof, but no, that room, the even funnier part is when, Cindy Lauper covered the in jewelry. They're <laughs> the like, why is she so loud? Look at Cause her. Because it's like, <laughs> it's like, are y'all hearing those harmonics? We're, we're hearing something. Um, when when she sings, what is that? And then <laughs> it's like she has all this jewelry on. Um, I wrote that she sounded like Harley Quinn. I I I didn't know she was from Brooklyn. She is from oh yeah Brooklyn. Like it is like. You don't have to question. <laughs> like, my God, she has an accent. I didn't know her accent was that strong. Yeah. And uh, it now makes me think that the um, the character from The Last Dragon was based on her. The the female oh, singer sure. that Eddie Arcadia yes. was trying to push. I was like, okay, that's, I realized I'm like, that's It's like they wanted, they probably tried to cast Cindy Lauper. She wasn't available she or she said no. So they just got like, we're going to make this actress look like Cindy Lauper. From Kew Gardens. <laughs> like she just had that. I was like, oh my God. Did they just tell you like, yeah, um, you're Cindy Lauper. <laughs> <laughs> just study her, her accent, her style, the hair, all that stuff. Yeah. I, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So Lionel was the, the ringleader. He was, he was the quarterback of this whole thing. Um, the signs of mutual respect. Uh, I believe it was. It started with Diana Ross going up to Daryl Hall and asking for his autograph. Which had and to then, be the cutest thing ever because she <laughs> sounds like she was just in awe of everybody there. <laughs> and so everyone starts asking, you know, if they if their their favorite person's in there, start asking for their autograph. That it is, almost was like yearbooks, almost yeah. Uh, Lionel Richie did compare it to the first day of kindergarten uh, at first. So <laughs> just to see the, the side of mutual respect um, between the artists. And that while there, they said there was some tension, but at least there were no punches thrown or anything like that. Thank goodness. Um, yeah, I did write Sheila E was used. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So I did feel bad for her. Um, Huey Lewis replaces Prince to um on that in that but this the part he sang was meant for prince but prince never showed of course um man just to think about when they they had the part where they talked about putting the tape down where everyone was going to stand and it's that semicircle just to think about like for each artist how intimidating that could be 
in that moment. Mm -hmm. If they're going around where we're going in this order, these are the parts that everyone's singing and we're Mm -hmm. all trying to get record this as quickly and efficiently as possible. And just the pressure of you singing in front of your peers in that way, in that kind of environment, the, the semicircle of intimidation, (laughs) (laughs) um, Man, like I wish they could have talked to more of the people who were on the song. I know some some have passed on, but yeah, there were a lot of artists they could have talked to talked to that uh, that were on the song that could have added per, more perspective on that. Um, because you, it really, the pressure is really on to perform. Yeah, and the it's like the more it's kind of like with uh with acting on stage where you don't have a lot of time for you there isn't a lot of rehearsal and if you're not getting your lines right then it can it can halt the process and it's going to frustrate your fellow actors Mm. and with this it yeah okay we understand like trying to find the Everyone's trying to find their voice, how they want to do their particular part because they're going. If they got one line, they're going to sing the hell out of that one line. <laughs> but they're mm-hmm. trying to figure out in the moment. Um, that that is, um, you really see how talented everyone really is. Yeah. And then while you're wait, and then in the moment, you know, you figure it out in the moment, but then it's like also considering when you're waiting your turn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How you like, got to watch other people. Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, I see what they did. So I got to do this, uh, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that's definitely, a, um, a definitely an interesting moment to see. Um, now I had read before that Al Jarreau was so he was, he was amped. He was lit. Yeah, I did read that he went up to um, Bob Dylan. He was a huge Bob Dylan fan, and Bob just kind of ignored him and Bob walked away. Like, a- like anxious. Yeah. Like Bob seemed like he was like overwhelmed. Like his social battery was, was like, what am I doing here? I'm like, and it's kind of like I want to do this, but this isn't what I do. I understand what they're doing. I want to be a part of it, but I don't really fit in what, what they're doing. So trying to find like how he could, you know, because with everyone who had a a solo line, it's a distinctive voice where you, for the most part, you're going to recognize who that is right away. Mm -hmm. Bob Dylan is one of those voices, but unique. (laughs) it's, like how does he how can he be Bob Dylan on this kind of song? Yeah. This isn't a Bob I mean, Dylan kind of song. <laughs> yeah, he's a singer songwriter, and that's the thing about singer songwriters here is that like when you're writing your own stuff, you're used to singing, you can write for yourself. Yeah. You don't have like, and I think that's one of those things where singer songwriters versus just straight singers. That's a, there's a, there's, that's what kind of differentiates. Like if you're a singer, singer, you're accustomed to playing things that other people write. Like maybe they try to write in a style that fits you, but ultimately 
you typically you hear a reference track and you go when you're a singer songwriter that writes all of your own stuff you write for yourself you know what you can do and you kind of write for yourself and so i imagine for someone like a bob dylan who is essentially a folk singer this ain't a folk song like you said this ain't bob dylan normal so he's trying to sing it and it's just like how you know and i guess the one of the interesting parts was you know stevie wonder mimicking miming bob dylan and kind of showing like yeah if i were you this is how i would sing it like you it's it's kind of a weird thing and that really kind of helped bob like oh okay yeah all right let me try that you know yeah like it's okay if i sound like that (laughs) (laughs) uh it was definitely um interesting to to see that uh well yeah i had read that like algero was a little awkward but apparently he was drunk Oh, I was going to say, was he high? But okay, that makes sense. They said he was drunk. I'm drinking at the award show. Yeah, they said he was celebrating before they started recording. <laughs> um, oh, Lord. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, they finally get it done. You know, uh, Bruce Springsteen, I guess, did the last the last part of the recording was, was his part uh, where he just came off tour. He just did his last show yesterday. <laughs> and flew in from Buffalo. Like, yeah. That's so kudos. Um, kudos to him. He he was running on fumes. But <laughs> uh he 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 that was probably the last the last bit of energy he had. You know, then you hear you see you hear Lionel Richie saying, All right, you are officially on vacation. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I was surprised he still had something left in him after doing the show the night before. Yeah. Um, and the one thing I noticed, the, it was this, this is the last note I had that, like, yeah, Lionel was there for the, the whole way, put in all this work. You saw that curl drying out. Oh! <laughs> that curl was drying out. He probably had a couple hours left until oh, it was. Oh, God, until, like, critical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It, it, it was getting there. <laughs> it oh, was drying God. out. It has a lifespan. <laughs> yeah, yay! No activator in the studio. Um, <laughs> I did make my next to last note was quote man those white boys really brought it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was just I swear oh to God, God that sounds like. That sounds like something Quincy would say. I wonder which white boys in particular he was talking about, though. Um, I had it had to be Huey Lewis. That had to be one. Bruce Huey, Springsteen had to be one. Steve and yeah, and Bruce. Steve Perry had to be one. Yeah, I I'm willing to bet Steve Perry was a one taker. Like they just didn't have to. They didn't have to do it again. They probably asked him, "Do you want to?" And he was like, "I mean, if you're happy, I'm happy." And they just kept it moving. Um, yeah, I imagine those three are who he's probably talking about. Yeah. Um, so for those who don't know with this particular song, uh, released, Mike fell over. Well, (laughs) let me, all right. <laughs> it's only just thunder outside. Um <laughs> so um this song was released uh looks like it was about 
about five, six weeks later. Um, the only single real, well, no, there was one other single, I believe from this album, if you want to call it that, uh, <laughs> um, number one hit around the world. Uh, it was there for four weeks. It debuted at number 21 and it took four more. It actually took four weeks to get to number one. Um, number one of the R and B charts, the black singles. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it went from 25 to five and then two before it reached number one. And it was number two to one more night by Phil Collins. Uh, mm. and, um, it was also on the rock top rock tracks and the hot country singles charts. All right. Um, That's interesting. It's different. And it became the first single <laughs> since the Beatles let it be to enter the top five within two weeks. That was a time where it was, it was, you didn't debut with number one like that. Um, mm -hmm. so, and outside of the U S number one in Australia, France, Ireland, New Zealand, the Netherlands, Norway, Sweden, Switzerland, and the UK. It peaked at number two in Germany and Austria. Um, it sold 800,000 within three days of the release. It was the fastest selling mm. single of hit in history at the time, uh, at a tower records in West Hollywood, a thousand copies were sold in two days. Mm. Um, one of the workers said a number one single sells about a hundred to 125 copies a week. This is absolutely unheard of. <laughs> Uh, by the end of 1985, it was the number one best-selling single of the year. Uh, five years later, it was revealed it was the best-selling song of the decade. Um, it is, and it was considered the best-selling single in America in pop music history. It is uh, the first single to be certified multi-platinum. And it was ultimately four times platinum and estimated global sales are said to be 20 million. Uh, of course, there were some critics at the time that received mixed reviews. Uh, Grail Marcus said it sounded like a Pepsi jingle. Mm. Um, he wrote that the constant repetition of there's a choice we're making conflates with Pepsi's trademark, the choice of a new generation <laughs> in a way, in a way that on the part of Pepsi contracted songwriters, Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie is certainly not intentional uh, and even more certainly beyond the realm of serendipity. So he's claiming mm -hmm. conspiracy. Um, Stephen Holden of the New York times said, uh, praise the phrase, there's a choice we're making, we're saving our own lives. He wrote that the line assumed an extra emotional dimension when sung by people with superstar mystiques. <laughs> and he said the song is an artistic triumph that transcends its official nature. <clears throat> and um, he called it a simple, eloquent ballad. Um. Some people uh, bought more than one copy. It, it resonated with young and old listeners. And it's one of those songs now that I think like 
if you hear it now, it's it's cheesy, but mm-hmm. there's a reason for it that um, that the song was written to appeal across the world. It was meant to appeal across the world. And it was a song that was hopeful to change the world uh, mm-hmm. to help people uh, to solve a, a global issue. So it was really it was people using their art to to um, to change the world. And it is the it's still like the hallmark of people who do music for charity. It all yep. comes back to how does it if, and in comparison, not in like a competitive way, but can does it have the effect of we are the world? Yeah. You hear that, you admit, you know the song, you hear the hook, you know people mm-hmm. who were on the song. It's still instantly recognizable almost 40 years later. Yeah. I do wonder, thinking about like today, though, like if someone did make something like this, like reading some of these criticisms, I think a criticism from a lot of people who are, you know, a little more cynical would be like, don't ask us to give you give, you know, <laughs> it would be like, well, I got to give money. You got, you got all the money. Um, yeah. I, I feel like that's what would probably be said. People probably try to make fun of it rather than understand what it is they're trying to do. Um, and also uh, according to music critic and Bruce Springsteen biographer, Dave Marsh, the song was not widely accepted within the rock community. The author said that the song was despised for what it was not. It was not a rock record, a, a critique of political policies that created the famine, a way of finding out how and why famines occur, an all-inclusive representation of an entire worldwide spectrum of post-Presley popular music. And then he later said he felt some of the criticisms were right while others were silly, he claimed that despite the sentimentality of the song, We Are the World was a large scale pop event, which with serious political overtones. And I and I, I read that and I think he has a point because I think if if a Bruce Springsteen, if a John Mellencamp or even if someone like a Bono writes this song, it's probably a little more introspective. And it tries to, it probably does try to figure out what caused it, you know? Because when you look at some of the songs that artists like those wrote about, you know, like whether it be about the war in, the war and the famine that was in Ireland that Bono wrote about in songs like Sunday Bloody Sunday. Um, You think about the song like Pink Houses by John Mellencamp. You think about Born in the USA, like, not only do they sing about what's happening, but they try to explore kind of what got us there, you know, and how we can, I don't know. So I, I, I see the point he's making, but that's not what he's right. That's not what this song was trying to do. Yeah. It was more of a call to arms, not a, why did this happen? You know, cause like pink houses, funny enough, like is another one of those songs. That's a diss song. It talks about like the line, of the bridge, we, he, pretty much yells at people that vacation down in the Gulf of Mexico. He's yelling at you. (laughs) You know, like there's no, like no one's, there's no admonishing in We Are The World. Like John Mellencamp was admonishing people. Bruce Bruce Springsteen is admonishing people. So 
I think that's kind of the difference between songs like those and a song like this. Like it's more of like, yeah, there's bad things going on, but it's like a, but hey, we can do it. Like it's very hopeful and very, you know. But I think like you know the line "Little Pink Houses for You and Me" is very kind of like sarcastic, kind of like <laughs> <laughs> like it is. It's kind of like a diss, whereas this is hopeful. So I think that's the that's the difference and. And that's what the masses need, though. The masses don't want to be admonished. They want to feel hopeful. I yeah. think that's why a song like this works. Um, and, of course, it was uh, recognized the next year. Um, it won Record of the Year and Song of the Year. Mm-hmm. Uh, best Pop Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocals. And Best Music Video Short Form. That's just cheating. Uh, <laughs> um, and it also won two awards at the MTV at the VMAs for best group video and for viewers choice. Cheating. Um, cheating. Stop, so, stop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, won a people's video, choice yeah. award for favorite new song of 1986 and at the American music awards the next year it won song of the year and honored uh, Harry Belafonte, who we had not mentioned, but uh, he was a huge part in the, huge in the early stage of this the, song as well. Yeah, yeah, huge influence on this song getting made. Uh, he was recognized with an award of appreciation, and uh, Belafonte thanked Ken Cragen, Quincy Jones, and the two artists who, without their great gifts, would not have inspired us in quite the same way as we were inspired. Mr. Lionel Richie and Mr. Michael Jackson. And um, following the speech, whoever was there, they were on the song. Uh, They closed the uh, AMAs by singing the song. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So the legacy of the song has endured. Um, I know people have a, some people have a cynical take on it, but Mm -hmm. just going back to, you know, the Geldof speech of why this song's being made. And having them to reiterate it when Stevie Wonder wanted to incorporate <laughs> Swahili lyrics. <laughs> That's uh, gotta be the funniest part. <laughs> like, Steve, you are doing too much. Um, Which makes me think it might have been a completely different song if he was there from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think I, it, it, I was having this conversation with Abe about how um, we were talking about who is more complex in their writing like Prince or or Stevie because he's like to him Prince's music is way too complex sometimes like it's not just like straight dance and Stevie feels simple to him I was like actually I feel like it's the opposite I was like Stevie has some of the most musically technical popular songs you'll ever hear I think of like what do I do with how technical that is Sir Duke how technical that is (laughs) as how like you think of all these songs they're super technical um, and it's like sometimes Stevie probably just gets in his own way because he'd be overthinking stuff like he's a genius and he should be respected and such. But like this had to be one of them instances where it was just like, bro, you were doing too much. Like we do not need to put Swahili in this song. Like it's fine the way it is. We just, just 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 chill. So I have to imagine like if he's in those sessions, like there's probably like key changes. There's probably like like crazy horn riffs. Like there's probably all this, you know. Well, yeah, All this like, crazy stuff. Like if if Prince wanted to come in and play guitar, 
And Quincy says, Stevie like, yeah, let him. Yeah. Quincy's <laughs> like, we don't need no guitar. And then Stevie's like, we, we can use some guitar. Stevie I, I, loves a guitar player. Stevie over <laughs> Jeff Beck. Yes, let him come in. <laughs> like that's it, it. I think it's a completely different song. So I think it was fate that allowed two writers with like that perfect pop ear, and that didn't do too much to come in and do this. Like it, it, I don't think it's the same song if it's not those two. Yeah, I think that's what made it work really, really well. Yeah. Um, so, uh, anything else you'd like to add about this particular song about this or this documentary? Uh, I just felt it slowed down a little bit in the middle when they were showing a lot of the archive footage. Other than that, I thought it was pretty, it was pretty solid. It was a blast from the past. You know, like I said, like the stars seemed larger than life back then. Um, this like who's who of people coming in there it's just like you know the the rolodexes and it, i don't know it's just like a different time you know there were two moments that if i were there i know i would have gotten chills mm-hmm. one when stevie was playing the song at the piano and everyone was gathered around him oh that was so played cool. the song him and Ray Charles both doing yeah, it. Yeah, and, and Ray Charles was playing too. Yeah. Yeah. The other moment is when they uh, recognize Harry Belafonte and everyone starts singing Banana Boat. Deo. Mm. And it's it sounded yeah. so good. <laughs> the harmonies. The harmonies were incredible. <laughs> yeah. That's when you... That's, why is like, you know, that's why I wonder, like, you know, today versus back then, the amount of technology we have that can help us nowadays versus what they didn't have back then. Yeah. <laughs> like there was some there was some talent in that room. Yeah. There was some talent in that room, man. Ooh. It sounded like they'd rehearsed it. It sounded it, so Yeah, good. they just everyone just <laughs> fell right in. Right in. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Um yeah, that that was that those moments were incredible to me. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that'll do it for our discussion on uh, the greatest night in pop. You can find it on Netflix, and um, let us know what you think. However, you find yeah. us. So we'll get to my Irum of the week. Uh, this was on my Discover Weekly uh, last week, I believe, and. Um, I had, I was not familiar with this artist. Her name is it's either Izzo or Izo Fitzroy. And um uh she is from London. Uh has been <laughs> influenced by Janice from Janice Joplin to Bill Withers. But you know what I've said about artists from the UK, like the kind of influences they may have if they do soul music. Um, And it just seems like they, that, that Motown or stack sound is a much bigger influence on UK artists. And the through line is much shorter. (laughs) Like they haven't changed it very much. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) They're purists, I guess you could say. (laughs) So this is from uh, 
her latest album called A Good Woman, which came out, looks like last April. And the song is called Chasing Days. And it's it has that um, that sound that reminds you of Motown or Stax or okay. um, um, whoever else from like that uh, that '60s from the you know '60s soul music, um, mm-hmm. incorporate with a little bit of modern um, modern uh, motifs, if you will. So. Uh, this is Chasing Days by Izzo Fitzroy, and we'll be right back. Izzo Fitzroy from her album A Good Woman and uh, yeah good also a little bit of uh, of that 70s jazz fusion oh yeah <laughs> add this make sure it's uh, add it to the play to the earworms of the week playlist there we go and you can find that on Spotify right now. So that'll bring us to the end of the program. Uh, should we play We Are the World or something yeah, why else? Not? <laughs> Go ahead and break them off a little previews of the. <laughs> or we could play the the uh, the newer version. I don't think I've even heard it. So. Um, yeah. 
yeah, the this it was a remade for the I think there was an earthquake in Haiti. Okay. So it was remade um, in when was this? Uh, twenty ten, and I think it was produced by Wyclef. Okay. Oh no, it was was it produced by Quincy Jones? The remake was produced by Quincy Jones. Um, we are the world twenty five. We are the world twenty five. Um, it, it was produced by Quincy Jones and Red One, Lionel Richie. They brought back uh, Humberto Garcia. Wyclef was one of the producers. Yeah. Um, but they also used, they recorded it at the same studio <laughs> and they incorporated Michael Jackson's vocals who had, he had passed uh, the year before. Mm. So yeah, we'll play that version and want to thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you very, very soon. Peace. Peace. You and me.